Let's get down to brass tacks. Ooh, I stepped on one. You are about to enter a world that blurs the line between fact and fiction, where truth is clouded by imagination. Five stories, some are real, some are fake. Join us as we play along with a television cult classic and go beyond, beyond belief. Hello and welcome to Beyond Beyond Belief, episode number 22. I'm Jesse Chapman. With me, as always, Chris Newth. Hey, guys. Kyle Maddock. That's a fact. Tiffany Persifka. Hey there. And Mark Wahlberg. Hello. Today, we're reviewing season three, episode three of Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction, which, if you don't know, was a 1990s TV show hosted by Jonathan Frakes, which featured five stories that defied explanation. Some are based on real events. Others, totally fake. In our show, we're going to try to predict which are fact and which are fiction. And we love the listeners, you guys, to play along with us. You don't even have to know what Beyond Belief is. If you like strange stories, you'll like our show. We'll summarize the stories so you don't have to have watched them. We'll make our own predictions. And at the end, we will find out the truth together. Kyle just told us that music doesn't play a big part in his life. Whoa, way to call me out on the podcast. We did say save it for the podcast. Yeah. Kyle, what's the song that you enjoy? Uh, I'm a big Phil Collins fan. Oh, oh I that's do why like you don't Phil. like music. Oh, come hey, on. That's, be I, nice. I, I 80s music Collins. is my favorite type that's of music. That's a low blow. <laughs> a blow of wind, perhaps, because he can feel it calling in the air tonight. <laughs> You're so proud of yourself Do you that. write for Beyond Belief? <laughs> you look so happy. <laughs> How does my smug smile look? Does it look as smug as Jonathan oh, you, Frakes? You don't have to show it's us a podcast both sides smile of your face. Right there. What do you guys think, listening at home? Can oh, I redo right. my intro? <laughs> So it I just sounds do... a little more enthusiastic. <laughs> no, it was well, perfect. It was what was perfect. your intro? What did you say? Hello. <laughs> which was great. I forgot which we great. were doing Do you change it anymore? Okay, guys, say, let's get back on the I'm thing. Sad here. That oh, wait, are we on this thing? I don't even know what's happening oh. anymore. Jonathan Frakes said at one point in the opening, you often see a single shoe on the highway. And then I was like, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Why is that? No Sometimes it's a, a boot. Yeah, let's do a whole. I want a, times a I boot. want a whole segment on the on the one shoe on the highway. I want the backstory. I yeah. want them to reenact how that shoe got there. How did all the shoe? I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the stories today. We've got five stories to talk about. We'll summarize the stories and then we'll talk about them, discuss them, make our own predictions before we reveal the results at the end of the show. First up, first story is called. The find. What's wrong? There's something over there. Lay in the grass right there. Where are you going? <laughs> you know, you know what this is? This is a 1944 Barton. They don't make them anymore. Mark, you're going to give us a summary for the first story. What happened here? Well, this story follows a young couple, Jerry and Mary, that's right, driving through Indiana. They come across a rusty old motorcycle in a field, and against Mary's better wishes, Jerry takes the hog for a ride. But when he's driving it, he sees a lady on the road, and he swerves and crashes and breaks his leg. But both the lady and the motorcycle have disappeared. Uh, An hour later, a paramedic reveals that a long time ago, a young man drove his hog and crashed into his girlfriend. Both died. But every year, the hog and the girl reappear to tempt young couples. But the paramedic says that no one has ever actually ridden the bike. Jerry and Mary believe that because they rode the bike. They finally release the spirits of the dead couple. Okay, I do have a question. Do people normally call motorcycles hogs? 
Mark certainly does. Mark does, and that's all that matters. Mark feels like when he—I gotta say, when he said "hog," I was like, (laughs) he knows more about motorcycles (laughs) than I do. I think you call it that when you live in the woods. Oh, yeah, a hog rider. Yeah, sure. Thing we've all ridden. Hop in a hog. We've all ridden a good-looking hog. This is a weird story, I will say, because there's really not a lot going on here. It's basically they believe on their own kind of thought process that they've released the spirits of the people yeah but the ghost never says that the ghost never communicate to them mm-hmm. the kernel here is that they found a motorcycle and it disappeared and that's it and that motorcycle was covered in the perfect amount of moss <laughs> right. you know what i mean and very blood. art design yeah, yeah I don't, exactly I don't, under, I don't understand why driving the motorcycle would release the spirits and why they would think that and where's the like? Did we get to see the old couple? Like no the, spirits the were the released. And, uh, mm. Guys, we forgot to mention the most important thing. Our lead actress in this story is someone very recognizable. Yeah, Constance Zimmer. Constance Zimmer. A very young Constance Zimmer. 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 So she's been cool. in Entourage, Boston Public. Um, guys, she's been in Unreal, House of Cards. Show. She's been yeah. in a ton of stuff. And she's in Agents this, of Shield. Yeah, and mm-hmm. in this, she was dressed like a wealthy witch. You know. <laughs> Did you guys see her? <laughs> Light as a feather, <laughs> stiff as a motorcycle, I think. A hog, I think. You yeah. <laughs> stiff as a hog. Ooh. I will say Maybe. the paramedic in this episode he pull, was good. pulled in he was good. by a paramedic storyteller before. <laughs> he was the best storyteller beyond belief. He missed his scene. calling. Yeah, seriously. He should be on The Moth. <laughs> the Wait, The Moth? The the podcast, The Moth. It's, yeah, a, it's a plug oh. for that. I assume that's what you're talking about. I have no idea. No, he's talking about Mothman prophecies. <laughs> oh, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? He should have been a storyteller in The Mothman prophecies. I frequently abbreviate the film The Mothman prophecies starring Richard Gere. <laughs> As to the moth, moth. the moth. Exactly. It's what we have to say. Sorry, Richard Gere. We all know. Richard we all Gears know the that. Prophecy. Yeah, you don't have to even say. <laughs> Anyways, guys, how is this story true? So easily mm-hmm. true because they could have so easily lied about it. And these are the types of stories in Beyond Belief that kind of get under my skin a little bit because it's just like, well, of course it could be true. Or wouldn't it be cool if the afterlife had this sense of geography about the world where they knew that they could make a motorcycle appear in this place and then have these people experience this weird thing without anyone else in the world being able to be witnessed. For what purpose, though? Just to, like, fuck with them. I mean, if ghosts are that bored, you know, God, I don't want to be a ghost ever. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go ahead on to predictions. First up. I'd put a hog on the side of the road. Tiffany, fact or fiction? Oh, I was hoping he wouldn't be me. Um... I feel like it feels a little urban legendy, so I'm actually going to go fiction. Mark, uh, I agree completely. I think this is urban legend territory. Fiction, Chris. You know, I think it's kind of lame to say. Well, uh, maybe these, uh, maybe these people all just lied. So that's a fact. I tend to believe that what's happened in this story with uh, ghostly appearances and, you know, the strange discovery of an old motorcycle seems totally uh, believable to me. Fact. All right, I'll go next. Urban legends are typically cooler. Ghost stories typically are more moral-based. There's more of a lesson to be learned. I think that these two kids just lied about this scenario. Fact. Wow. Kyle. Um, I wasn't even thinking urban legend until you brought it up, but I was going to go with my gut. So, fiction. All right, guys. We've made our predictions, but there is one more prediction to be made. 
the each, cat. <laughs> each week we flip a cat, and if it lands on all fours, <laughs> that means fact. So what's it's always fact. All right, it's always fact. Toss, toss the cat. Toss the cat. <laughs> what happens if it doesn't land on all fours? We've broken many a cat back before. Guys, let's, cats let's are that. our number one listeners. No, they're number eight, eight I think yeah, now. Probably yeah, number eight. Eight. probably number eight. We actually flip a coin. If it's heads, it's fact. If it's tails, it's fiction. And the only reason we make this flip is to see, do we actually have an advantage talking about this out loud and analyzing the story, or can a random piece of metal predict better than us? Let's find out. Heads. So the coin is predicting fact. Let's go on to our second story, which is called The Golden Q. No dogs allowed in here. He'll be waiting outside. The stranger looked kind of familiar to me, but I knew he wasn't a regular. Let's shoot some pool. All right, Tiffany, you're going to give us a story summary this time. What is the golden cue? So this story is about an older man, let's call him Dan, who used to own a pool hall but fell in hard times, which forced him to sell it to this expert hustler named Nikki. Old man Dan still works at the pool hall doing menial jobs, being treated horribly by Nikki, until one day a stranger comes in and challenges hustler Nikki to a pool game. Nikki accepts and wins, but the stranger keeps challenging Nikki more and more. Finally, the stranger challenges Nikki to one last game, putting up $50,000. Nikki accepts and puts up the pool hall as collateral. The stranger then asks to switch cues and chooses this golden cue, which is on display in the pool hall. We learn that the golden cue belonged to the world pool champion, Jack Lesko. Then the stranger miraculously sinks all nine balls, winning the game. And then the stranger tells Nikki that he has to give the pool hall back to Dan. Now, Nikki gets really upset. He accuses Dan of hustling him by bringing back Jack Lesko to challenge him. But Dan reveals that's impossible because Jack went blind 15 years ago and stopped playing pool. We then see the stranger leaving the pool hall with a seeing eye dog. Yeah. So was the pool champion, Jack Lesko, actually the strange blind man the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny because at the end of this, he goes, that couldn't have been Jack Lesko. He stopped playing pool 15 years ago. And that's it. And that was all it was going to be. But then he stopped playing because he was blind. blind. And I liked how, I really enjoyed how they set it up uh, nonchalantly at the beginning. Because when he comes in, you hear there's a dog out there. And the, the asshole owner of the place is like, hey, no pets allowed. And he goes, oh, my friend will be staying outside. Right. So he shows up with a dog and you just think nothing of it. Anyone else get an offensive Greece stereotype? No, but you know who he did remind me of, of is the dancing old Six Flags guy. Oh, oh my god. Oh, do you think that was him? How can you tell what he looks like under that old man makeup? Well, and I feel like there are two things that they're asking us to believe. One is can this blind man suddenly win in, you know, pool, but also the golden cue? This was his lucky charm. This he started off in this pool hall when he was 15 using this golden cue, and did that somehow give him some supernatural ability to win this game? I didn't even think about the golden I know it was titled the golden cue and he grabbed the golden cue, but I didn't even didn't register me at all that that because was, he was losing was he was he even trying was i thought was he, he was like trying he was and then he was that. like i know i can only win with mm-hmm. the golden cue i don't know so maybe That's- jack real jack lesko came in and uh he knew that the golden cue was the thing that had the power mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Or, but you can also argue that, oh, that just gave him the confidence or that that was like a, a lucky charm for him when he was younger. So he did it for sentimental reasons. I don't know. But I feel like that is an extra layer. Yeah. I kind of personally, I kind of like to think that Jack Lesko is so good. He could win yeah. with any cue and he was right. just trying to screw over the guy. Mm-hmm. But, it's tough. I mean, you think that pool hall stories kind of seem so urban legendy. I mean, it's really the fact that he, when he broke, he all nine balls landed. I mean, that's well. That's do you remember J- uh, Jonathan Frakes's potential oh, yeah. <laughs> reasonings for this? Uh-huh. Is because uh, maybe he temporarily could see. Guys, the kernel of truth is this: is some guy just walked in and hustled the dude who owned the place. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Then you add the layer of he sinks all nine cue mm-hmm. balls in one go then you add the layer of the blind man there's like so many weird things on top Mm -hmm. of weird things here i don't know what to make of that i kept feeling like there was twists and twists Mm -hmm. and twists well i was gonna say you're kyle are you leaning towards yeah it's obvious like this could easily happen i don't know maybe because if that's true (laughs) like that doesn't mean (laughs) especially if you have to guess first (laughs) i'm not helping your score (laughs) Well, let's go ahead on to predictions. First up, Tiffany, fact or fiction? God, I was and first was again, it's random. That's a little silly. Um, <laughs> I I think that there is it, it's weirdly specific enough to me that I am going to say fact. Mark, yeah, I have no idea. Fact. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what happened to your uh, uh, coincidence magic? This is. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> uh oh. What's your theory going to do now? This is neither fraction. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with the fact. All right. I'll go next. Is it possible that a guy came in and kicked some guy's ass and then years and years go by and then it just kind of becomes like a legendary story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fact. Chris. Ha! Going before me. So I kind of agree that this one's uh, sort of layers upon layers of strange situations and i just don't think it's true fiction kyle jesse i am totally uh on board with you about a guy coming in beating another dude fact easily fact just because it could be easily fact doesn't mean they didn't just make it up true fact fact (laughs) (laughs) all right let's go ahead and flip a coin the coin predicts fact as well yeah the coin's right All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on to story number three, which is called The FBI Story. Sheriff Driscoll? I'm Sheriff Driscoll. Major Joseph Delaney, FBI. I'm here investigating a ring of counterfeiters we believe is operating in the area. Counterfeiting, huh? (laughs) That's news to me. Yeah, well, hopefully I'll be able to wrap this thing up quickly and uh, get out of your hair. All right, Kyle, you're going to tell us about the FBI story. Yes, I am. Uh, This story is about Tommy, a young, likable go-getter in a small town who dreams of becoming an FBI agent. Not long after he gets accepted to the academy, his friend, the sheriff, gets him a job at a local mill where he proved himself a trusty employee and was put in charge of eh, roughly $10,000. One day, Tommy and the $10,000 go missing. Cut to five years later... Most of the town believes Tommy had stolen the money and ran away, but not the sheriff. One day, a young FBI agent named Delaney shows up in town to investigate an unrelated crime. The sheriff thinks Delaney looks familiar, and we learn that he used to live, Delaney used to live in town five years prior and knew Tommy. 
When a body washes up on the banks of a local bog, the sheriff takes Delaney to investigate. They discover Tommy's dead body, and Delaney, who thinks he's being set up, pulls his gun on the sheriff and backs into the bog to escape, I guess. Uh, as he's backing into the bog, he admits that he killed Tommy five years ago and took the money. Then, Delaney suddenly disappears into the water of the bog and vanishes. The next day, Delaney's body is recovered and they find a gash on his head, the same gash that his victim Tommy had on his forehead and presumably died from. You guys ever at a lame party and then you just want to like back into the bog to get <laughs> out of it? so awkward. Just like slide into the bog. Hey, you set me up and instead of like, you know, give me your keys and I'll drive out of here, <laughs> Sheriff Man, I'm going to randomly back into the bog into where the I'm going to slowly got, swim across to the other side. We got hogs. We got bogs. We got everything on this episode. Are there any, is there any fog in this there episode? There was a little fog rolling mm-hmm. on the bog. And at some the logs end. in the bog. There okay. was a log in Throw the bog. Throw a log in the fog in the bog. Um, uh, yeah. So hi, this... guys. I'm Agent Delaney. I'm here from the FBI. I'm 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone else feel that way? Like yes. I felt like his voice was like an octave too high okay, for FBI. Okay, he just had his bar mitzvah. You know? <laughs> That's why the sheriff thought he was so ominous. <laughs> what was he there? He came back to town to investigate something. There was a separate crime. There's like counterfeit checks or checks, something going yeah. on. Yeah. Investigate those checks. Okay. <laughs> um, I was confused because Tommy's ghost kills this guy. Yeah. I don't know about, I, I, you know, I'm the first one who might say, you know what? Yeah. Maybe that could be a thing. But in this case, I really feel like when he was backing up into it, I thought the realistic version playing the role that Tiffany and Jesse usually play on the show was that he was dunking himself underwater to escape the view of the sheriff, you know, like to like, I'm going to dive under the water yeah, and swim just away. swim away. So yeah. Saying, yeah. Oh, and then smart. maybe he just died. Maybe that's yeah. just how he died. And it wasn't but like he had a gash on his forehead. Oh, rock. Because Tommy took him out. This whole episode played out like a weird law and order when like there's absolutely no reason for the criminal to admit guilt. The body of Tommy washes up on the the shore. And then the guy, Delaney's like, you set me up. You did this. And he's like, well, that's his guilt. This guy's been hiding this for five years. And now all of a sudden he's like, and he pulls out his gun. You got me. You set me up. He like loses his shit. If this story was told from his perspective, this would have been like the courtroom scene where he would be like seeing Tommy everywhere. Like, I thought I'd get rid of that. Like, you murdered yeah. me, Delaney. So I don't know. I, I could, it, it felt a little forced, but that's also where some of the embellishment could be. Like, could be the writers. That's yeah. possible. Is anyone here enough uh, familiar with peat moss to know if it can preserve a body yeah. for five years? Oh, no. is that what they said? Preserve the body? Yeah, he was like, the sheriff was like, oh, peat moss must have, because Tommy, <laughs> first looked, of all, when Tommy that body like came he died out, three days ago, peat moss is the local guy who can take care of bodies oh Pete yeah. Moss must yeah. have came out pers- <laughs> right. wrapped his body like a he's mummy he's the one who injects the formaldehyde exactly. into bodies and, and then replants the bodies into the bog until they can be found yeah, he, because it's not his job exactly. to find them he preserves them and then leaves them it, yeah. where they, he found them it's for the cops it's an interesting story note the reason that it's actually there in the episode could lead us to a fact or fiction that's true well speaking of which let's go ahead and make our predictions fact or fiction first up Tiffany. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, I will not go first again. I'm just going to say no. <laughs> Chris. This one, I think you guys will like my logic. The sheriff's name is Sheriff Driscoll. Continue. I don't I don't like where this is going. Oh, I love it. Sheriff Driscoll and Jack Lesko? <laughs> Fiction. It's the Lesko-Dresko connection. <laughs> 
All right, I'm going to go next. This story, I'm going to lean on the old classic complicated theory. I can't believe that a writer would have written it like this. I believe that a writer would have written a cleaner version. I'm going to go fact on this one. Mark. There's so many people there to tell the story. There's so many witnesses and ways this gets written down. And it's very procedural-like in a way that really feels kind of like a cold case file or something like that. It just feels like uh, they read this somewhere. So fact. Kyle. Jesse, we are on the same wavelength on this episode because you stole my argument right from me. I was going to fall back on the complicated. I think there's a really simple story about a guy who killed another dude and took some money and then they found the body later on and he got caught. Fact. Tiffany. I'm also going to use the complicated theory. And also this in a way is like my favorite kind of story because it's told by a police officer in a group constantly with police officers and very credible sources along the whole entire way. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to say fact. Just because I'm so curious, couldn't that theory be flawed because a writer could just insert cops as characters and then... The the credible witness thing doesn't mean it's fact. No. But the lack of a credible witness Mm -hmm. might mean mean it's fiction. fiction. I just love credible people. Right, right. (laughs) Like witnesses. But if you were a Beyond Belief writer, wouldn't you try in every possible way to fit a witness or an authority figure or... It depends on how... Like, I really want to ask the writers at some point, how important was it for you guys to trick the audience... Or were you just mostly concerned with, like, who cares what they guess? Let's just write a good story. But I also don't know how many people at home are thinking about, like, credible witnesses watching this in, you know, 2002. (laughs) All right. Everyone's predicted. Let's flip a coin. Fiction. Let's go ahead on to story number four, which is called Gravedigger's Nemesis. The next morning, we had another body to bury. And Pete was ornerier than ever. Got it, Bo? Almost. Hey, the hell did you do that for? You're useless. You know that? Just useless. An awful, awful man, not well What? You fucked up. <laughs> you fucked up just like that bog. <laughs> <laughs> you got pulled into the bog on that one, Chris. Michael Shannon, guest star. <laughs> he got pulled into the bar. Michael Shannon. This is called The Gravedigger's Nemesis. This story is about a rude slob of a man named Pete Ringwald, who is the groundskeeper at a cemetery. He treats people who have funerals rudely. He treats people who work for him rudely, his gravediggers. He is just a awful, awful man. One day, a woman shows up and starts singing this like deadly nursery rhyme to him. The woman follows him and these nursery rhymes haunt him into the night, into the next morning and continue to haunt him. He just keeps hearing this song. It drives him crazy so much so that one day as uh, he's burying one of the bodies, he starts just slamming his shovel over and over into a sealed coffin and the coffin splits open, revealing the old woman's body, the one that was chanting the song to him. Her eyes burst open she says ah i don't know she says something she scares him so much he falls backwards over into a grave hole i don't know if that's what they're called (laughs) and dies and later the coroner says well he must have died of fright and we're left to believe that because he's such an awful person this this Mm -hmm. mysterious woman who we never is revealed who she is 
taught him, gave him a come, comeuppance. Creepy story. Really creepy. You're really sure. creepy, yeah. Yeah, it is creepy. And I love, what was the... Uh, awful man. Awful man. Awful, awful man. Not well bred. No respect for anyone. Not even... It sounded, yes. I'm not even joking about Got this, it. this sounded like my Nana, who had Alzheimer's Whoa. at the end of her life, before she passed, she would sing these nonsensical songs like this. And Really? I, yeah, and I was just like, this sounds just like her, but auto-tuned. <laughs> <laughs> not even the dead. <laughs> Little backup singers. Um, uh, This was... But I don't know, I was kind of bored by this one. Kind of, but he was a great actor, though, right? He was, but he was he so was pretty good. dirty. He was very dirty. Also, and he didn't even do any of the manual labor himself. No, but... He just kicked guys in the butt. He's a grave digger, but he wears a suit for a living. It's very odd, right? Dress for the job you want, not for the job <laughs> you have. <laughs> he is an awful man. I mean, what's the kernel of truth here? Old man is awful, stress gets to him, has a heart attack, dies. Yeah, he yeah get, falls into the grave and dies. by something because he lives in a graveyard. Yeah. I mean, talk about lack of credible witnesses. I mean, there's no one here to corroborate any of this. Who saw the person in the coffin? Yeah, and that's the, no and that's one. the only thing that ties it up to the woman that's in the beginning is, you know, that woman being in the same coffin. And so if the kernel of truth is that a, a groundskeeper dies at the cemetery he worked at and he was known for being a horrible person, like that's not this story. And that's probably what it will be if it's fact. But I just don't understand what I'm supposed to be even analyzing here. And as a ghostly rules analysis would say this one sounds a little like they're trying to shoehorn things into th you have the the visual of this woman from a distance that everyone can hear and see then you have that same woman appearing or just being heard through the coffin by only this guy there's a lot of things that just have to that i that just don't quite make sense it sounds like a really convenient ghost story I need to get to lunch. Oh. He just seems like a bad manager. But you did know? he seem like a corny, bad writer? Yeah, manager? he was a character. He was an well, over-the-top sure. character. But you would still get that even if it was a fact. You're probably right about that. I don't know. Let's go ahead on to predictions. I'll kick it off. Everything about this screams fiction to me. There's no credible witnesses. There's no sense of what actually happened here. But it seems like the type of story that Beyond Belief would have as a fact. So I'm going to go fact on this one. Oh, that was a twist. Mark. I'm doing a little meta stuff in my head. And I'm going to go fiction on this one. I mean, and also because it should be fiction. <laughs> Tiffany. Um, yeah, I just I feel like I don't really see the kernel of truth uh, or how it really could have gone out in a certain way. And again, I'll be angry if it's fact. And so I'm going to go fiction. Chris. I don't know if you guys remember, but the last time that we had a something scared him to death story was the urban legend in the graveyard with the woman who got scared being there, you know, like scared to death on the cemetery plot. And that one was fiction. So I'm calling it early. Actually, I'm not calling it early at calling all. That's it just early, in my huh? notes. <laughs> so I'm calling it on time. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's fiction. Kyle. There's just not enough stuff in this story. So I'm going to call it early, too, and say fiction. All right, guys, let's flip a coin. What does calling it early mean? No, I had it in my notes <laughs> that I was supposed to talk about that earlier, and I didn't. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll save it for this, the end. 
And then I was like, so I'm calling it early. I didn't change that part. I love it. <laughs> flip that coin. Let's flip a coin. Fiction. Yeah. All right, yes. we've all logged our predictions. Let's go ahead on to the fifth and final story of today's episode. Last Rites. M. Anthony Brinksman had been a top lawyer practicing for over five decades. His client list was a who's who of the rich and famous. Send her in, please. That's why I couldn't imagine why he contacted me. How do you do, Miss Tyler? I'm M. Anthony Brinksman. Hello. I agreed to meet with you, Mr. Brinksman, but I still don't understand why you couldn't tell me what this was about over the phone. Is this a deposition? Or am I in some kind of trouble? I... Have a seat. Books can be viewed as food for the mind. Sure. Go on. Beautiful. No, that was it. That's how he opened, uh, Jonathan Frakes opened this story up. Oh. Just as confusing now as it was then. (laughs) You know what's really funny? We're recording this episode pretty late tonight, and this is evidenced not only by the actual time, but by what I actually wrote down, and I changed it when I read it to you just now, but I wrote... Books can be viewed as books for the mind. <laughs> it sounds like something they would say, though. Yeah. You also fair. wrote, uh, I'm calling it late. <laughs> Chris, speaking of calling it late. Yeah, let's, let's wrap it, this up. Let's call it late. Let's go to predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. This story is about a lovely woman named Mrs. Tyler who visits the law offices of Morgan & Morgan for the people. Just kidding. It was the offices of Mr. M. Anthony Brinksman, an old man with the voice of Larry King and the body of a box troll. So Brinksman asked Mrs. Tyler about an odd event. She apparently attended the funeral of a rich man named George Randolph Parker. Miss Tyler says that she was a high school art teacher who visited the chapel to do research for her class. And while she was there, the funeral just started and she sat down because no one else was there and she didn't want to be rude. Turns out this guy, the rich guy, George Parker, was hated by everyone, which is why no one attended the funeral. But his will stipulated that his $34 million fortune was to be split between all the attendees. So she gets the whole thing. Um, it was a cool story. It was a cool story. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you built that up. That crescendo was. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> uh, wish fulfillment, anyone? I feel like this is one of those mm-hmm. stories that just feels like, ooh, yeah, wouldn't we all like to have this happen? So let's write a story about a lottery winner. Possibly. Th- though it is so plausible. Too. So plausible. It's sim- so simple. It sounds I, like a story that you would see like in a paper somewhere. Yeah. Here's the thing if you said, what are the chances that Tiffany would win the lottery? Chances are super low, unfortunately. Yeah. But you said, what are the chances anyone would win the lottery? Well, the chances are super high. So these types of stories, like as cool as they are, they don't surprise me much at all. Mm-hmm. Like someone's good. This is, yeah, like Chris said, someone, this is going to happen to somebody. Yeah. yeah. Right. I totally think there is a, 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 there's something in here about a woman who just was kind to somebody who was rich and that person left her some money and she didn't think it was coming uh she also says at the very end of the episode and mr brinksman is now my personal attorney it was like a commercial like you said Tiffany. yeah it was very weird it was like you they, they gave us so much and they kind of just diminished all of it with that one line <laughs> and then there was a phone number that came up on the screen for mr brinksman brinksman and brinksman's yeah it was very strange yeah three, it was weird three brinksman <laughs> are you been in a car accident Brink, brinksman <laughs> brinksman's and brinks shannon shannon and shannon's <laughs> Yeah, well, 
Thanos yeah, so right, I'll right. take it of course oh, oh god of course pro bono Guys, this is not your Michael Shannon podcast. You guys are recording that at another time. Welcome to Michael Shannon. We're doing the Beyond Belief podcast right now. Okay, if Beyond Belief gets rebooted, I got a great host idea. (laughs) (laughs) Last thing, when she approached the coffin inside the funeral, she goes, and there at the front, I saw a funeral coffin set up on the altar. Which made me think, as opposed to another type of coffin? Like in the bathroom? Did people say funeral coffins? No. I just say coffin well, or casket. There's vampire coffins. Oh, you know what? That was a, that, Touché. That was a good distinction. Yeah. Because we would have thought maybe vampire. <laughs> <laughs> so it was nice that Which they was true a couple of episodes ago, actually. So. I don't want to talk about it, Kyle. <laughs> it's, still, it's still a sore subject. Kyle, you're up first. Fact or fiction? So I said it before, I totally think it's possible some lady helped a dude and he gave her some money and she wasn't expecting it. Fact. Chris? Yeah, I just feel like this one just seems right on every level. Fact. Tiffany? Yeah, I think there's a kernel of truth here. I think it's heartwarming. Fact. Oh, it is heartwarming. I'll go next. If I vote fact on this, which I'm leaning towards... I will have voted fact on every story. Whoa. (laughs) That doesn't mean you'll get a bad score. It doesn't mean I'll get a good score either. I Uh certainly won't get 100% if I vote fact here. Well, that's not true. We've never seen a show of all facts. Well, they've got to do it at some point. It will happen at some point in this show. But if you vote fiction, you're heartless. So That's true. (laughs) What are the chances that someone would win the lottery? Voting fact. Oh. Oh, you're going to win the lottery if they're all fact. (laughs) Not going to happen. Mark. This definitely happened somewhere. I can totally buy it. Fact. All right, let's flip a coin. <laughs> Fiction. What was this? Those are the sound effects that a coin makes. <sighs> We've all made our predictions. And in a moment, we're going to find out which stories are actually fact and which stories are fiction. Stay with us. Chris, Mark, and Tiffany here, and welcome to the first annual Beyond Beyond Belief Talent Show. I I am so excited to be here. I can't wait. Every year we get together and we do this talent show. And and this is the first year we decided to put it out there, but we've been doing it ourselves for a while, so lots of practice. How did I forget that? Let's begin with our first contestant from Detroit, Michigan. His name is Jerry. Jerry, Mm -hmm. welcome to the show. You are going to do a stunt for us. He is a stuntman, and I hear he has a motorcycle stunt. So, Jerry, take it away. I'm going to take it for a little spin. I'll be right back. Okay. Oh, he looks so happy. He's going down the ramp. Being fast. Oh. Oh. There's something. Oh, there's a ghost. That's a ghost. Wow. Okay. Oh, 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 God. Here he goes. He's not wearing a helmet. Oh, oh, right on the head. Okay. Uh, that was great. fun. I like that. Let's um, let's move on to our next uh, contestant. He is a pool player from Lake Michigan. Yeah, not too far from Detroit, so kind of general area. We mm-hmm. kind of go for a specific pool of people, pun intended. Please welcome Stewie. He's a billiards professional, and he's going to do a trick shot for us today. Stewie, take it away. 
all the balls went in. in all the hit. balls are in. Nice. Oh, huh. Where where are these balls coming I'm from? Sure they just keep and coming in. It's just it's still going. Cow. Okay. It really that's, is beyond belief. That's like, I'm, I'm counting. Where are these balls coming? <laughs> we have to be over. We have to be over thirty at this point. Is he walking away and there's still more and they're all going in? He's yes. Going to the bathroom. They're, they're in the bathroom. How this is this? still going. The gobstopper of billiards. Uh, never-ending balls. Great <laughs> comparison. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a good. Okay, good there it goes. Then we're done. Okay, we're finished. Wow, that was that was something. Um, Stewie, thank you, thank you yeah. for being great. here. Everybody, My God, everybody, Stewie. And now for our final contestant of the night, uh, she is from uh, Savannah, Savannah Georgia. Mm-hmm. Please welcome Dixie. Dixie, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm just an old woman. Cool. Straight straight to the point. I like it. Very straightforward. All right. Well, Dixie, you have a wonderful talent. I hear that you are a singer and you've brought... Awful, awful man. Huh. Not well bred. Um. No respect for anyone. Not even dead. Okay. That was scary. Dixie, thank you so much for being here. Don't come back. Ever. Please. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the first annual Beyond Beyond Belief podcast talent show. Okay, she is doing an encore. No, we we got it first time. Okay, security here. Which stories were facts and which were fiction? Let's go ahead and review. First up, first story, The Find. This is the one about the motorcycle that disappeared, and then the two people thought that they saved the day for no particular reason. Chris, you think this story happened? I do. I agree. Ugh. Tiffany, Mark, Kyle, you guys think it's fiction. Yeah. Let's find out what the truth is. A research on this one shows that a similar story took place in the American Southwest in the mid-60s. It's true. Fact. Chris, you and I are off to our 100% right now. We are, but we know you won't get there. You have all facts. Oh, I certainly won't get there, but you it's nice to, to believe. I have destroyed my perfect record. It was Kyle. bound to happen. Oh, no. It came down that quickly. Oh, well, man. you know what? It lasted longer than anything. Is this episode three recording? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you can't say anything about that episode. Remember the magician's one, though, Mark? That one was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tiffany. What about that Houdini story? It gets confusing, guys. <laughs> I thought we were recording out of order, so I was like, that wouldn't make any sense. All right, guys, let's go ahead on to story number two. Jack Lesko, what the heck is going on with this guy? Master pool player. But also blind. Maybe. Now, Tiffany, Mark, myself, and Kyle, we believe that this mysterious man came back to play one more round of pool. Chris? Mm -mm. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Let's see what the truth is. Let's. Did this one have the feel of reality to you? If it did absolutely oh shit fiction oh boy i'm getting nervous because i'm getting (laughs) close to my hundred guys no not chris anybody but chris oh come on mark i'm the only one who hasn't had it yet (laughs) you let me have it god damn you haven't had a hundred yet no god we just well when you get two in a row let's talk we'll talk all you want okay (laughs) (laughs) let's go ahead on a story number three this is the fbi story 
Agent Delaney. Comes back to solve one more crime. Come back to the beer when your balls drop, son. <laughs> back this, into the bog. This is a story about the bog and the very complicated scenario where, <laughs> I don't know, this one was really crazy. We all think it's fact. Except for Chris. Is it weird that I want to maintain the same physical position with my hands on my head the entire time now that the first two were right? This is similar to when we're playing a game and you roll dice and you roll a number that you don't like. And then you're like, give me a different set of dice because these dice are tainted. Yeah, sort of, except for it involves Chris sitting in a very smug... I'm basically sitting like a bank CEO would. If anybody wants to know what this looks like, just check your Instagram right now. It, it, this is called the golden parachute position. <laughs> the golden parachute? I'm this the 1%. we call the golden cue. Let's find out what the truth is. The story of the sleepy little town was a crime committed by our writers on you. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Fiction. This is... Whoa. How are you guys doing? Not good. Woof. <laughs> woof. <laughs> yeah, woof is right. <laughs> should we do the same, everyone? I think us three. Wait, <laughs> should I move my physical position? Because I've been sitting in the same position and getting them wrong. I'm going to take my pants off. Okay. Let's um, move on to the fourth story of today's episode, Gravedigger's Nemesis. This is the one about the kooky old gravedigger who was rude, rude, rude until he fell into a grave hole. Now, I think this actually happened. No one else does. Let's find out what the truth is. If you guessed this one was inspired by real events, you're right. It happened on the southeast coast in the late 80s. Fact. No! Sorry, Come Chris. Come on, it was so... I thought that one, I thought that one was the oh, easiest Oh, you got it one. wrong. Yeah, oh, I got okay. it wrong. I got it wrong. But did, did they see the creepy old lady? And they, no, they did. In the segment they because, did in the beginning. Because she ends up in the grave... But in the coffin, but him. they didn't see there. Yeah. So it would have been nice if they were just all there. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. But they weren't. They weren't. But it felt facty. Yeah. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on to the fifth and final story of today's episode, Last Rites. This is the one about the woman who basically won the funeral lottery. She was at the right funeral. If she was at the Gravedigger's Nemesis funeral, she wouldn't have gotten anything. <laughs> well, but we she, don't know. Maybe she, he had a lot of money. Maybe he did. That's how he had suits all the time. <laughs> but he was so dirty. That's why he didn't care. You're right about that. All right, Kyle. We all believe that this actually happened. Let's find out what the truth is. The story of the woman who inherited an unexpected fortune was inspired by an actual event that took place in Los Angeles in the post-World War II years. Fact. You guys are so close. You know what? One day you're going to get it. One day. We have a friend who listens to this show, and he said, based on the amount of episodes at the end of season two, statistically, everyone should have gotten 100 already. Everyone should have gotten zero already, and then I think we should have each gotten a majority of the three and four splits. So, and I think that's basically what happened. Mm. Yeah, except for Chris, almost can't get a hundred. Basically, what happened, Chris? Have you gotten a zero? No. Looking at my paper here, it looks like Mark. Unfortunately, you're in last place with only one correct today. That's true. Ooh, mm, man, that must be really rough. Oh, is it Tiffany? How does it feel over there? Oh, Tiffany, actually, looking at my paper here, it looks like you also only got one. <laughs> yeah. You guys are terrible. Oh, are we, Kyle? Actually, oh. Kyle, looking at my paper over here, it looks like you also got just <sighs> one correct. God damn it. From 100% to one right. Oh, man, you guys, that looks uh, hard to deal with. Uh, actually, Chris, looking at my paper over here, well, no, he 
He, he got yeah. four correct. Four. Oh, not I mean, hundred though. It's Thank not God five. for that. It's not and, five. Je- and Jesse, you went all true this week. Yeah, so what'd I, you get? I voted. I voted all fact, and I actually got three out of five, which is I feel like slightly better than my average. Oh. I was gonna throw out an idea theory, possibly, and we could easily figure an it out. An idea theory is that kind of like a funeral coffin? Exactly. <laughs> this could be a vampire theory. It's not it's an idea theory. <laughs> I think there are, are there always three facts per story. No. Wow. And uh, Mark and Tiffany and me, uh, the coin beat us by one. <laughs> Lovely. Good yeah. Love that. <laughs> so the, the coin got two out of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really helping with my confidence and self-esteem. <laughs> you know, they've done studies where they say if you have a really difficult life decision to make, people actually report happier results rather than like stressing over it. Flipping a coin, heads you. Uh, you who did you they do interview? Two Face. Well, Harvey Dent actually worked the, for the law offices of Anthony Brinksman. Oh, right, Brinksman and Brinksman. And Brinksman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the three Brinksmans and a Dent. Brinksman. Yeah. Well, let's throw acid in the face of this podcast and call it a night. Thank you all for listening this week, and until next week, this is beyond beyond belief. Beyond Beyond Belief is produced by five friends living in Los Angeles. Our theme song was written for this podcast by David Russo, who composed music for the original series. Mark, stop laughing. What are you laughing at? Not laughing. You're laughing at me. Our introduction is voiced by Mark Wahlberg. If you like our... Oh, no. Mark Winston. If you liked our... There's too many marks to go around. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and tell a friend. All the audio clips are strictly for educational commentary and are copyright their original creators. You can send us feedback, questions, or share your own story that is beyond belief by visiting our website at beyondbeyondbelief.com. You can also find the show notes and links to us on social media. Thanks for listening. You know, I think the audience is starting to love the drama of seeing Chris get to 100 and not make quite making it. And I'm almost there, you know? I mean, I enjoy you not making it. Yeah, it's my favorite part of every episode. You guys so can't far. throw all this bad energy at me all the time. <laughs> Wait, now I'm feeling better. <laughs> he assumed his golden parachute compass position or whatever it was. <sighs>